Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So how did you go uh, preparing or participating in, oh, I'll need to hold on to that, daring worship last week? Uh, we had a great service last week, uh, many things uh, took place that uh, God was doing a great work and uh, over this daring series we've been asking people if they have any stories or testimonies that they want to share with us, 60 second kind of snapshots of revelations or decisions that they've made. Um, while you're thinking, so you might want to be thinking about that, uh, I know I've already got two people, uh, so if they want to make their way to the front here so that I can know that they're ready to go. At the conclusion of their uh, message today, um, we're going to declare God as our waymaker. Our team is going to uh, come up and lead us in uh, a song that has really spoken and, and ministered to us over the last couple of weeks. As we sing that song, we have a couple of people who are already preparing uh, to be baptised in Luke Busbridge and Ron Millican. Uh, and let's celebrate them now. Let's warm up. Yep. So we're, we're looking forward to that. But if you've been considering this, maybe you've been considering this, maybe you've been thinking about this, maybe you feel like there's been this prod or this push towards that's something I need to do. Uh, maybe uh, you've ha- felt this tug on your spirit to trust God and follow Him. We want you to come to the front as we sing this song at the, at the conclusion of this message. Even if you haven't come prepared, we've got your back. Um, we've, we've got you covered, and I mean quite literally. We have clothes out the back in various sizes, and we, we've got extra towels. So if we get to the end of this message, enter this service, and this is something that, uh, yep, that's what you want to do because of the witness that you've seen in Luke and Ron, and it's something that the Spirit's been stirring in you, we want to invite you to come forward and participate in this daring act of worship and faith as well. Baptism is about believing in Jesus. It is an act of confessing and saying, I'm not right before God and I want to have my relationship restored with God. And it is about obedience and identity as well as an ongoing journey. So we invite you to participate in that. Um, and yeah, it'd be a great time of celebration. Izzy. Hi. You had something you wanted to share with us? A testimony? So... Um, so over the last few weeks, I've more, more more like months, I've been reading um, a commentary as I read through Judges, and um, just in spare time, Judges. That's yep, good. Yeah. All the commentaries made me actually be able to get something yeah, out yeah, of it, sure, which has yeah, been yeah, good. That's right, yeah. um, so I just wanted to share some of the things that I've been learning. One of the things that I've been really challenged by is um, idols, and um, because in Judges, the Israelites keep on continuously turning back to idols. Every time God saves them, they're like, cool God, and then they turn back to idols as soon as the judge dies. Um, and one of the things that the commentary pointed out that I found challenging is that um, they didn't just decide, okay, not go, not going to worship God anymore, we're going to worship idols instead. It was like they kept worshipping God, but they would just worship the idols on the side, just like, oh, we want to get some good crops, so let's worship this idol, by the way. Um, And so I was challenged to um, see what my idols were. Um, 
and I've kind of come to the definition that idols are basically when we take something that is a good thing, usually, um, a normal part of life, um, but we make it more central to our identity, to our security and to our happiness than our relationship with God. Um, and when we do that, it becomes an idol and we worship it instead of God. And idols ultimately aren't, um, don't satisfy us. Um, so, yeah, I've been challenged in um, identifying what my idols are um, and recognising when I am worshipping them and a lot of the time that's when I stress out because I'm not getting something done and then I feel like that's taken part of my identity away and I have to come back and realise that my identity is in God and he doesn't change. Mm. So, yeah. Yep, very cool. Thank you very much, Izzy. May you can sit, yeah, Give, hang on. Yeah. May God continue to place in you a heart and passion for his word that that continues to increase and the things that are planted in your heart now will continue to flourish. May you continue to plant yourself in him and so that as you plant yourself in him, whatever stresses come, um, because there's not too many, I know, but they'll come uh, and uh, may you continue to press into the heart of the Father and know he's planted something very special in you. Uh, May you trust in him in all your ways and with all that you have and may that be a great witness to others that you walk with and speak into for the many, many, many years to come as you follow Jesus. All right? Blessings. Yeah. Cool. Yes, you are here. Thanks, Michael. I couldn't see you. Morning. Morning. <laughs> Morning, fellow travellers. And uh, I, I say that because the journey of life, is, uh, as we've seen from the Ma family, is a, an incredible journey walking with God. And uh, I stand here today because we do have a recklessly loving God. And, uh, and not only is he loving, but he's persevering. And he has persevered with me in my ups and downs in my Christian walk that I've been on for 40 odd years. But it doesn't stop being a pretty up and down sine wave of life at times for me. And... um, Last week, as I sat in one of the chairs here, I had an overwhelming knowledge of the vileness of my sin. And Simon was um, saying to people if they had anything to share... Um, there's a time for you to do that and I sat there for a considerable period of the time of the service pondering that the vileness of my sin and I thought do you want to me to share this Lord and I and it's so hard to know what the will of God is at times well often and um, I sat there thinking, do you want me to share this, Lord, or not? And towards the end of the service, I, I 
have had an overwhelming desire to want to share that and I came up and it was towards the end of the service and the service had always already been quite a long service with the people sharing and what have you and Simon said would I share it this week and a week's period is sort of yeah um, takes you down a different avenue at times but I've reflected on that over the week and I've realised that there's, I'm not here because of one little issue, there's just thousands of them, thousands of little things that occur but it's probably a month ago or so, so we were, my wife and I were praying in our bed as we do fairly regularly of a morning and I had this experience of God being a pure and holy God because he had to be to create this world, this universe we live in. If he, if he had any glitch in his armament, it would have been a mess, you know. And, and it, when you look at nature, as Simon pointed out last week also, he, he looked out the window at the, just the leaves blowing and things like that, you know. Nature is such a finely balanced thing that I believe I had this view of a holy and overwhelming God that just knows so much and, and is infallible because if he wasn't our universe wouldn't be what it is and so I look and I think God has had his hand on me since I was in the womb of my mother. He knew me even before that. And as we travel down this road of life, in the ups and downs, in the struggles, the battles, God is going to take us through that avenue of death to a new place, a new beginning, a new life, if you like. And... I thought, wow, thanks, Lord, for walking with me through my sinfulness. And um, yesterday I was thinking about a verse or verses. I hope I can, you don't mind me sharing these with you. Um, Romans. My wife said as we looked it up yesterday, Romans 7.24, we hear of 24.7, but it's not 24, but it's a, a starting place. I want, would like to read the, from, I think it's verse 14. If I'm you got it? Sorry. Got to hear you go on. <laughs> I'll go old school. Yep, fine. Romans 7, verse, um, starting at verse 14. Um, what are we doing? We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I do, I do not do. 
For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, that I do. And, I, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I want to do is not good, is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, not what, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So I stand here today knowing that we have a recklessly loving God and I'm thankful that I can share with this with you and I hope it encourages you to continue to walk and, and I've come to this church at times wondering why on earth I've arrived. <laughs> And I've sat there and it's very rarely that I've gone back home thinking I wasn't glad to have arrived. Um, it's, it's just good sometimes to sit and be quiet and hear our own heartbeat and realise the miracles that are going on within us mm -hmm. and around us. Michael, thank you very much. I know, that's, I know you've travelled a... a you and Dorothy and your family have travelled a significant journey of questioning and struggle and debating and even doubting, but I, I pray that um, it's not just, um, we can say thanks be to God with an exclamation mark because you are a man who is redeemed, who has been restored and the grace of God overwhelms all that vileness of sin and calls you out into new life. So uh, we pray that you continue to know that, experience that and continue to revel and play in the holiness of God as you described it and the beauty and the wonder of the holiness of God, all right? Okay. Blessings to you. Blessings to you, brother. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Every daring act requires a daring decision about the person we want to be. And as we continue our series on exploring this daring life in faith, in prayer, in worship uh, and in service um, and in proclamation and imitation. 
Um, preparing this message in terms of daring service, I think it's probably been one of the most daunting in the series in lots of ways because we all want to know what faith looks like. We all want to know how faith is expressed. We all want to believe in, some, in this God. We like the idea of believing in God. We want to even grow in our faith. It's easy even to talk about the power in prayer because we all feel like, and lots of people I have conversations with, they say, oh, no, I should pray more. We all want daring prayer. We all want to be in that relationship with God where our prayer is powerful and daring, or as I've been in a devotion this week, a dangerous prayers. We also want to press deeper into worship because we want our hearts to be set after God, the author and the creator of life. We want to be passionate about worship. Maybe worship is about the songs that we enjoy and we like get into these moments where we're refreshed and we're doing the things that we like to do. See, that's me and God kind of thing. It's time with God. It's I get to be with God and it's all warm and fuzzy. We like that concept. But however, time with God is an invitation to connect, to love and serve as part of a family, as part of a community, as well as being served as part of the family. Serving expresses daring faith. Serving expresses our partnership with God in daring prayer. And serving expresses our hearts or reflects our hearts towards God in daring worship. Out of the love of God, we have a heart for others and with others. James chapter 2 writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And that's not to confuse it with our action saves us. Our action comes out of faith, out of that declaration of being saved and in a personal relationship with Jesus. It is because of faith, it is because of that relationship that we step into action. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. It's a pretty powerful kind of testimony and encouragement about what daring faith and how daring faith, daring prayer, daring worship can be best expressed and is actually invited, called out of us. Martin Luther King uh, said these couple of things, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? It's an age-old question. James asked it, Jesus demanded it, Jesus called it, Martin Luther King was calling it out in his um, great move toward, uh, to see segregation and to uh, advocate for integration in the United States. But why is serving so critical? Um, there's, there's an event coming up at the end of March called Neighbour Day. Um, just in I just found it, came across some of the things I look at and uh, some friends doing some things throughout Australia. And I found, that why, why is serving so critical? This is the quote that's on their webpage. Oh, there it is. Australia is in the midst of a loneliness crisis, with many in our population experiencing a deficit of social connection. When we reflect upon loneliness, many of us will think of social and emotional isolation. 
We may contemplate a lack of important and meaningful relationships, perhaps an absence of companionship and social interaction with others. In 2020, Neighbour Day is looking to flip the loneliness discussion to get Australians to focus instead on the importance of belonging. To start people thinking about how they can put their energy into creating positive and meaningful social connections with people outside of their normal groups and relationships. This is actually a sad indictment on the church that we have days like this. That we feel the need that other organisations, as much this, I look at this and I go, hey, this is a church. This is actually the kind of thing a church should be known for, celebrated for, called out, recognised for. So I think this is why serving is so critical to our community because people are becoming increasingly disconnected, increasingly isolated and increasingly looking for some sense of belonging. And when we serve... We increase our connectedness. When we serve, we increase our belonging. When we serve, we invite others into a sense of connection and belonging. And when we serve, particularly out of our heart, an increasing heart of faith and of prayer and of worship. See, when we belong, we want to serve. And if we, if we serve, we discover a place of belonging. And as we serve, connection grows and the Father is revealed. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So what does it look like to have the thought or the idea or the expression or the nice ideas of faith and worship in prayer the heart of God reflected through that needs to be lived out somehow. Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I picked up on that phrase. Another translation says, Not only looking to yourselves. Um, which I think is an interesting kind of insight and it's one that I hadn't heard or seen before. Often we talk about this nature of sacrifice and it has to be um, and it's necessary. Serving is about sacrifice. Following Jesus is about sacrifice and that's really important and vital. And, and some elements in conversations, we talk a lot about taking care of ourselves, giving breathing space for ourselves. All of that is also important but neither can be at the cost of the other. We can be so far over here taking care of ourselves that we may as well go live in a cave and start a monastery. We can be so far out of here in sacrifice and caring for other people that we use words now like burnout. Somehow we have to find a place where in humility, which means we have an accurate understanding of who we are. We know who we are. We are content in who we are. And because we are content and we know who we are in Christ, because of our faith, because of our belief of who God is, then we can serve out of that. Does that make you, you with me? Because of who we are in Christ. There is a tension about serving that's come about in the last numerous years. I remember, um, oh, 
I don't remember so much, but the York Street Church of Christ, some of uh, family members are here from, ex, uh, from York Street or know the story of York Street Church of Christ. York Street Church in Ballarat, and it's probably not the only church that did this, they built their initial chapel in a day. Their first chapel, and it's, I mean, it wasn't a chapel like this, it was your traditional, you know, you think uh, country, church, weatherboard, pretty straight, peak roof, but they did it in a day. They had builders in their church, they had expertise, they had the volunteer labour, bang, job's done. But many of us in here also grew up in a time where church was just your whole social world, yeah? You, you played tennis for the church, you played football for the church, you played basketball for the church, you played cricket for the church, you showed up to church on Sunday and you showed up from probably 8am until maybe 4pm and then you went to someone else's house on, at 7pm for a sing-along afterwards or you went out for supper when I was growing up, we went to morning service, we went to Sunday school, we went to morning services sometimes twice, had the afternoon off maybe, watching the football quietly because... That's what happened. Um, and then we went to night church, uh, and then we go out to Macca's uh, for supper. Some of you would remember, and then on, during the week, you'd have uh, six, three meetings a week, if not a meeting every different night, plus your Bible study. Everything was around the church, yes? You remember that? Is that, uh, is that an unfair assessment of how church used to be? No, that's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm not quite that old, so I wanted to make sure. I've just heard stories. And over the last number of years, we've, we've celebrated, we've needed to celebrate the movement of people and remind people, actually, the church isn't just about looking in, it's about looking outward and being outward. We've celebrated the need to move outward, people and working and living and serving in our community as an expression of the heart of God. But now we're in a time and a world where we find this ex extra pressure for dual income families, expenses have increased, the busyness and tiredness means that we have less time to contribute to things outside of what we can just get done on a day-to-day -day basis. Is that a fair assessment? We have greater career opportunities, we have greater freedom and capacity to travel, and so we do. Which also means that there's huge gaps or people aren't available for extended periods of time. And this isn't just isolated to the church. This is every volunteer organisation. Anywhere you see volunteers, they're asking these questions. CFA asks the questions, how does CFA work when people pack up and go away for winter? How do we protect and provide and train and develop and make sure everyone's safe? Because now with these new manslaughter lords, if a volunteer goes out and gets hit by a tree and they die, CFA can be charged with manslaughter. So there's, but, I mean, that's right across workforces as well. So it's a distraction. Sorry, come back with me. Come back. So there's this challenge between training, volunteer, serving, being a part of the community... Tired busyness, time has shrunk. Yeah, we all feel that. And I need to honour that. I want to recognise that because it's part of who we are and it's part of the tension that we're in. But the question then still remains, based upon James, based upon Jesus, based upon the word from Paul as well, what does it look like for church, Jesus' followers, to demonstrate the kingdom of God? How can we express our serving as a reflection of and in thanks to new life in Jesus? 
we should not be under any illusion that serving means sacrifice. But it also isn't, and serving isn't an invitation or a competition to earn God's love. Hear this really clearly. God is love. And because he is love, regardless of your religious spectrum, regardless of your understanding of who Jesus is, regardless of whether you've made a declaration of faith to follow Jesus or not, this is your first time or millionth time sitting in a worship service, God is love and he loves you. Full stop, exclamation mark, poor grammar, but highlighting it. Full stop, exclamation mark. God loves you. He initiates the relationship in love. He can do nothing else. And the invitation then is to serve out of his love. It is to serve because of his love. It is to express God's love so that others might also know that they are loved by God. In Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. For all the good deeds that we do are people glorifying God. It's an interesting question, isn't it? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'll skip that. <clears throat> can I just, can I just want to say, right here, right now, for all the expressions of serving that take place in our community, for all the volunteer hours, for the many hours of sacrifice, for the way in which you carry the light into workplaces, for the way in which you carry light into your families, into life and in the church, into your neighbourhoods, I want to do right now say thank you. You are a blessing. I'm sure you're a blessing because this is what Jesus says, you are a light. And when we go out into the workforce, my encouragement is that we don't hide that light, we walk in that light, we walk in the truth and the promise of that light. You might be a part of our community, you might feel like you don't know where to start or how to get involved in times at the church and so we've produced this booklet to help us not to be exhaustive, not to say that if you want to, um, <clears throat> not to say that this is the only way to serve but there's ways in which we can regularly serve in the life and the context of the church, an opportunity to contribute, to connect and to serve and love as the body of the church. There might be other expressions that we can do. There might be new ministries to explore. And we want to invite conversations to create healthy teams and healthy framework for healthy serving to grow healthy fruit, to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to provide this so that we empower people. We want to say that we're okay with making mistakes and we're okay with giving things a go and then discerning it's not where God is calling us at that particular time. But overall, over all of that and the opportunity to respond um, in various ways and have conversations is our desire to live, to serve out of who God is and the nature of his love. We want to serve because of his perfect love, not to earn his love. Now when we talk about serving, 
I think many of us probably have a concept of what we think it looks like. Um, and I've been, I'm still wrestling with the words that are used here, but I'm going to use the word layers. I think there's actually layers of serving. See, sometimes we serve just because it's there to be done. Many of you will know and have heard stories of um, the love that I had for gardening, um, the joy that I get in gardening, the satisfaction that I get out of gardening, which is all of that last 10 seconds of explanation of gardening was a complete lie. Please forgive me. But I also need you to know that in the time that Andrew and I have been here, and I'm sorry I haven't got photos, when Andrew and I first moved into 35 Stall Road, our yard was dust bowl and prickles. And we longed for grass because we wanted our kids to go out and play on grass. Now I've got grass that I have to go and mow every week. <laughs> and no kids will go out and play on it. Um, <laughs> the reality is I see the need, part of my role as a dad, as a husband, is to help the house function. And one of the roles that I do, whether I like it or not, whether I'd rather it to be done or not, is that I go and mow the yard. Because it has to be done. That's it. I'm not particularly motivated by it. I've got to argue with myself for the first two hours before I go and fill up the mower with petrol. I find 25 other things I could possibly do, be doing, even if that's sitting on my beanbag. That's the kind of priority I put to mowing the yard. But it has to be done. Paul writes to the Colossians church, slaves, and can I say workers, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour. Does it actually say curry in Colossians? does okay but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the lord whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for human masters i need to remember that when i'm mowing the yard sometimes we serve in a way that we do things that are more than expected Various roles we might have, we might even get paid to do certain things. But how many of us have said, I'm not paid to do that? Do it anyway. Do it because you want to bless your boss. Do it because you want to bless your house. Do it because you want to bless your neighbourhood. How many of us walk past rubbish on the street because I pay council rates? Pick it up anyway. How many of us get upset or disgusted by the way that somebody else leaves a room or leaves a cafe table or whatever example you might have? Do it anyway. Do more than expected. When someone says that's not your job or why are you doing that? Because I want to show the love of Jesus. Go the extra mile. Do what is unexpected. It's not always fun. It's not always fun. It's not always even recognised or noticed. But we respond in obedience to an idea that we had or someone else suggested and we take the extra mile because Christ first loved us. Oops, sorry. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So we're labouring and we're working for a world that is not yet fully revealed, but we want to reveal a part of it every day. And then, of course, there's the gifts, the serving gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. These are the places where we find passion and joy. We serve out of our, our giftings. We get excited about it. Some of it will still be hard work. Some will be thrilled. You know, if you wanted to think about my mowing example, some of you are sitting here thinking, oh man, I love nothing better than mowing a yard. That's your spiritual gift. Well done. Congratulations. I have a yard for you. But when we do things and we find pleasure, even though there might be hard work in it, maybe there might be wrestle in it, maybe people don't respond to it in the same way, that's when we know we're serving out of the things that God has given us. God-given gifts. We are excited, passionate and energised even when it's hard. Paul writes to the Corinthians again, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And in verse 12 of chapter 14, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So there's still this real tension. It's about building up and encouraging the body of Christ. Serving the community isn't at cost to the church. Serving the church isn't at cost to the community. Ironically, because the church is part of the community. I heard of a couple recently who barely remembered their anniversaries or birthdays for one another. Once I recovered from the shock, um, but I, I heard then the joy and saw the smile as the wife spoke about how they serve each other in small ways. She then went on to tell me that driving home on Valentine's Day, she decided to stop in and buy her husband a bunch of flowers. She walked into a house and said, I know we don't normally do this, we don't normally celebrate Valentine's Day, but I thought of you, I was on my way home and I wanted to celebrate you and I wanted to do that for you. At which point her husband um, coyly put the flowers down, had a, hit a smirk on his face, went to the freezer, pulled out two, favorite, two of her favourite tubs of ice cream and says, I know we don't normally do this for Valentine's Day, but I thought of you. In that moment, this husband and wife captured something of what it means to serve one another, to serve others, for no other reason that they wanted to. One of our many volunteers who faithfully and quietly serves around our facilities during the week was reflecting on being out in the garden. He was pulling weeds and admitted that he had a desire to be somewhere else. He had a desire to be doing anything else but pulling weeds. But as he served, he declared his weed pulling as an act of serving God. And at that very moment, he was only serving God because he would only pull weeds for God. He wouldn't have done it for anybody else. And because he chose to do that, a community received a blessing that many of us probably haven't even noticed. At that moment, he captured something of what sacrificial serving looks like. Another couple recently had a weekend off from serving on a Sunday. Um, they are passionate and they're committed to God. They deserved a weekend off. We like to take care of our people who serve. They're committed to one another. They're committed to family. They're committed to the church. They're committed to God. They love coming. They love encouraging others and finding ways to serve. They're also looking forward to having a week off simply by coming and being served by others. 
not being on a roster or doing anything. They also discovered they missed the blessing of being intentional and in connecting and encouraging others. They even went so far to say when they weren't serving in that week, they felt slightly lonely. This couple captured something of what it means to bless others through serving. And all of these are expressed in many different ways wherever the people of God go. So in following Jesus, we serve him out of his love because of his love, serving others because of his love. We've provided ways for you to engage and serve on regularly rostered duties and responsibilities and then we're more than happy to have conversations about what it might look like for you as part of our local faith community. But as our team comes up, the most important, significant invitation for you today is to declare Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour. That's the starting place. That's the starting place because Jesus declared his love and gave his life as an act of service to us. Because Jesus recklessly stepped out of what he had, what he knew, and came with this wild expectation, understanding the consequences that that would mean for him, so that you and I could know the depths and the wonders and the beauty of his love. And we want to invite you today, as a team and, and Luke and Ron prepare for baptism, Make an obedient response. You have heard the word, maybe you've been hearing the word for a long period of time and you now want to declare Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour. You've played around the edges. You've thought about it. You've made excuses every day for the last week and probably the last month. But today is the day that you want to identify with Jesus. If that's you today, we want to invite you to step forward, come and see me down the front and we'll get the team to help you and support you and, and celebrate you and walk with you as we declare God as our way maker.